Hi there, welcome back to the business side of fitness. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. Each week on the show, we'll highlight fitness industry experts to learn about their personal journey and unique perspective. Through these conversations, we'll learn all about what it really takes to succeed in fitness. This show is brought to you by Vanessa Severiano LLC, specializing in fitness and wellness business development for impactful brands. The time has come to start the show. Everyone's got a story, and now it's time to hear from this week's guest. Let's welcome to the show, Mark McTavish. Mark began his career in the craft beverage industry at the age of 19, opening one of the first craft bars in Canada in 2003. After helping to pioneer the craft beer industry in Canada, Mark followed his other passion and built a successful career in the commercial fitness business. With a focus on product design and brand development, Mark spent nearly a decade working with fitness professionals across North America. Mark's career path came full circle when he realized his dream to craft the healthiest alcoholic beverages on the planet, a convergence of two industries that he had previously seemed an impossible pairing. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so interested to dive into this and connect the dots between alcohol and fitness. So many diehard fitness people have these crazy rules that alcohol is, you know, do not consume alcohol if you're into health and fitness. And I just don't think it's feasible for the general population. So I'm really excited to learn from you today, Mark. Yeah, thank you. And, and I really look forward to the conversation. I mean, anytime I have an opportunity to speak to a fitness minded audience and talk about an alcoholic beverage, uh, that's when I find the greatest number of breakthroughs happen, because I think that's a good time for people to be honest with themselves and realize that they do consume alcoholic beverages, but they're not talking about it. They're not discussing that with their trainer or with anyone in their network at the gym you know, they're all talking about avoiding alcohol and abstinence. And, and then they're going out and drinking, but doing it behind closed doors and drinking gin and tonic and vodka soda and vodka water. And uh, they're having a very boring experience, in my opinion. And uh, I want to reassure people that there's a better way to do it. Oh, I'm excited to get into it. So first to start, how and why did you make the hard pivot from craft beer into fitness? It seems kind of like an unusual turn in your career it is now it wasn't so unusual when you're 23 and, and the endeavor that i had in mind at the time was to build a craft beer bar surely to be disruptive and show the the consumer a better beer experience at the time this was in 2003 i was freshly out of college and i wanted to show people that the macro beers they were drinking made by the big boys were really not the best beer and not made all that well either so i was very interested in a more complex experience something more well-made, and something much more local. So where I went to school was actually near Toronto, Ontario, up in Canada. And we had a lot of great craft breweries around. So I wanted to bring those local brands in and serve them to the consumer. And it was exclusive in that way. Only small brands, only local. So by nature, we were the first craft beer bar in Canada uh, in 2003. And it was a hit. It's still there today. We did very well with that. But I really enjoyed craft beer. I also loved craft cider. I loved cocktailing. I loved wine. I loved all beverages. I'm really a bevy of sorts. So uh, a lot of people regard themselves as foodies. I always call myself a bevy. And I prefer to get my enjoyment on my palate in liquid form. I'm not much uh, for food. I like to eat, don't get me wrong, but 
I like to drink. I love a beverage. I love a well-made beverage. So, you know, I'd always been into working out, always been in the gym every day and, you know, really enjoy the culture of it, really enjoy the dieting and just the giving to the body and the, and the healthy ways. And then I thought, well, when I'm drinking, can't I do this better as well? And, you know, when I'm 23, though, at that time, I could drink all night long and go to the gym the next day and fight through it, right? Now at 41 years old, I really appreciate the path that I've gone down because I no longer drink at night. I only drink during the day and I always feel great the next day and I don't miss my workouts and I feel great. So, you know, I really wanted to go down this path at 23, though, of giving people a better product and also being disruptive to the big boys in the category. And that's why I built the craft beer bar. But the whole way through uh, that experience, I was working out all the time. Fitness was my passion as well. So I thought, you know, I'm going to travel the world a little bit in my 20s after I build this bar and just kind of see what's out there. And when I come back, I want to jump into the fitness business. So I had a business plan ready to go after I spent about a year out there in Australia and Asia and Europe traveling around. I was bartending as I was doing that and making money wherever I went. And then after a year of kind of being a hobo and being out there on the road, I came back to, to Toronto and I decided to build a gym and uh, I ended up building over 300 health clubs across the country, had a 10 year career in the commercial fitness industry and loved that whole experience. But every trade show and conference I was going to, I would see all these personal trainers that were partying really, really hard on the weekend at this conference. And they were always drinking the vodka water, white wine, gin and tonic, anything that was clear and odorless and tasteless and had no sugar in it. That was the beverage of choice. And, you know, the reality was, is they didn't know much about drinking. They didn't really have the experience or the wherewithal to know how to do that in a good way. So they were kind of just, you know, binging, right? They were not drinking at all during the week. And then on the weekends, they would drink a ton of wine or, or spirits and find a, a way to do that, that was sugar free. They thought they could just cut the bad and have no sugar and that would prevent the hangover. And that was the better way of doing it. So I thought there's certainly got to be a better way to do this because with your food, you would never focus on that strategy with food. You would want to incorporate whole foods and get good things in your diet and give to your body. Where back when I was 23, I can relate with this because I was eating Stouffer's Lean Cuisine dinners, you know, microwavable meals that were fat free. And I thought, oh, that's the pathway to a six pack. I'm going to eat that. Right. But fast forward now to the age of 41, which I am today, I would never eat a microwavable anything. And I certainly wouldn't eat Stouffer's Lean Cuisine. No offense to the brand but I'm looking to eat whole fresh foods, right? And I live a plant-based lifestyle and I eat very healthy, but this comes from education. You have to learn how to eat that way, right? So same with drinking, you have to learn how to drink better. You can't just pick up a white claw and expect that to give you a six pack just because there's no sugar in it. You're still consuming something that's artificial, doesn't have anything good in it. You know, it's not really giving you what you think you want. So the trick here is we have to give consumers a little bit of what they think they want, and then we have to earn that trust and earn the right to give them what they know they really need. So right now you see a lot of people buying things that are say sugar free and they're alcoholic and that's their go-to. So that's sort of the, the, um, the diet, the realm of the diet that we're focusing on. There's less is more, right? So less sugar, that's kind of the focus, less bad for me. And I'm focused on the other side of it, which is more good for me. I'm trying to do the incorporation diet. So we're trying to put good things into the beverage so that you can feel really good and not hurt the next day but it's not just attributed to zero sugar. First of all, you're killing me with the Stouffer's microwave meals. I'm yeah. laughing so hard. I'm 41 too. And I definitely, oh, nice. I definitely was eating some, I was like literally living off of 
protein bars at one point. And when I think about all the process and, and protein powders, and when I think about how processed and how, you know, like, hey, why did I have stomach aches all the time? Well, ding, the light bulb went off, you know, 20 years later. <laughs> So Mark, your brands are Pop Culture and 101 Cider House. Can you dive into what inspired you to create these products and what's different about them? Yeah. And before I do, I'll just point out one thing because pop culture does pop up all the time, but it's pulp culture. And that's the play on the words here. So pulp specifically referencing fresh pressed juice and culture, meaning it's fermented. So pulp culture. So it plays off of pop culture, which everyone you know looks at. Sometimes they call it pulp fiction as well. <laughs> So Pulp Culture and 101 Cider House together are sister brands within our portfolio. Uh, they're both brands of ours that we produce, of course, right here in Los Angeles downtown. But really what they are is cold pressed juice that's been fermented. So if you've been to a juice bar ever, which I'm going to ask you, have you? Of course. Yes. And do you make fresh pressed juice at home from time to time by chance? No, I don't. And I'm going to tell you why. And you're probably like, why don't you do that? I bought this juicer and it was a complete nightmare to clean. Like everything yeah. got caught in it. So I definitely yeah. bought the wrong juicer. So I'm looking for any recommendations. <laughs> I'll give you the best recommendation I could ever give you right now in about five seconds. Buy a Vitamix. I have that. That's what okay. I do. I just Done. put up like spinach and that stuff. And I thought that getting the fiber was better, but I don't really know. Yeah. I'm a novice over here. Yeah. You, you don't really want to juice. Typically you want a Vitamix. You want to throw everything in, zip it up and drink the whole thing. That's when you're getting all the goodness of what mother nature intended. You're not, you're not just getting what you think you wanted, which was the sweetness of the juice and then disregarding all the fiber and all the other good stuff. Right. So I definitely endorse the Vitamix. I don't work for them at all. The Vitamix at 18. So, you know, as it relates to, say, what we do here with a cold pressed juice, if you think about, say, going to a juice bar and you pick up a juice and you walk out of the store, and if I met you in the street and I said, hey, you know, can I juice for you? And I'm not going to open the container. I'm just going to stand here in the street, wait for you for three months. And when you come back, I'll give it back to you. And now when you open the container, it's going to make a kind of sound because that'll be fermented. So in nature, raw juice just ferments on its own. We don't have to do anything to it, but we have to wait three months. So it's a bit of a patience-oriented endeavor here. So the, the patient game of waiting for three months leads us to an end product that is zero sugar in it, it's probiotic, and it's now alcoholic. And it's also carbonated. So it's a lot more fun to, to drink. It's more fun on the palate. So if you can imagine what it's like to be at home making a fresh pressed juice, and then let's say you forgot about it on your countertop for three months, and then you went back to it, and you thought, oh, it's gone bad because it's fermented. You would have thought maybe initially it had gone bad. So you would pour it down the drain and disregard it. Well, I decided to not dump it down the drain. And, and, and I looked at it as something that was actually great. So you know, what we do is just take that cold pressed juice and let it ferment for three months and just wait. And it becomes what it becomes. We don't manipulate it in any way. Well, that's really impressive. I mean, that, so you just literally wait that time. That's it. Like I literally could see you walk out of a juice bar and say, hey, Vanessa, can I just hold on to that juice and like wait for three months and come back and give it back to you? And you would have exactly what we have in the package right now today. I'm curious to hear what you hear from the diehard fitness industry freaks, because I think there's a lot of people that are, you know, creating saying like, oh, alcohol is bad for you. You have to track all your macros. I know a lot of people that track their macros and cheat. They don't write their alcohol, but 
there's macros and alcohol, so you have to count it. So what do you say to those diehard fitness people that are saying just don't consume alcohol? Yeah, I mean, honestly, to each their own. And there are people that definitely are sensitive to alcohol in the way that maybe they have alcoholism in their family. Maybe they've had a negative experience with it. What I would say to them, though, is traditionally, if we look at alcohol and we look at the issues that we attach it to, they're typically not linked to alcohol itself. Alcohol is not generally the culprit. It's really bad behavior that is the culprit. So we do have a drinking problem in this country, but I firmly believe that it's attributed to bad behavior. So what I mean by that is when you're picking up bad product and you're consuming it in a way where your intentions are entirely wrong, you're just looking to get drunk, then you're probably going to have a negative experience where if you go to a place that does it in a healthier fashion, let's say in Europe, by example, when you're in Europe, the food and drink on the table is all the same. The alcoholic beverages are viewed as food. And when you sit down and consume them, you're meant to enjoy the day and laugh and sing and dance and just pair well with food and just really enjoy the experience overall. It's a much more European way of drinking. We're here in America. We typically drink because we want to get drunk. So newsflash, if that's the way you're drinking, you're going to get drunk and you're going to feel like hell tomorrow, right? So it's just not a healthy way to drink. So what we're trying to do is show people that you can bring a different mindset to your alcoholic beverage consumption. It should be something that eases stress, puts a smile on your face, is never done to the point where it's over-consumed. And it's something that you need to be mindful about when you, there's a responsibility attached to it because it is a, a regulated drug, right? So no different than say cannabis. I mean, if you're into cannabis and you use that in whatever way that you do throughout your day, well, you can't just sit around hitting a bong all day and expect to say that cannabis is healthy, right? So, I mean, we have to be honest with ourselves and look at the product for what it is and understand that there's a responsibility attached to it as a consumer. So I would say to the fitness-minded individuals who, if you're getting to the gym every day and you're that disciplined that you're putting in your time and you're good with your diet, why not bring that same level of discipline and education to your alcoholic beverage experience as well, right? Because the reality is, is they're not. They're taking the lazy approach and then they blame it all on the alcohol. Well, you know, if you look at products on the shelf, like say hard seltzer, as an example, or just spirits, vodka added to whatever you currently drink, well, you're just getting the alcohol. That's all you're getting out of it. So if your intention is just to get drunk, those are the types of products that you should buy. But if you're not interested in doing just that, you just want to be healthy and have a good buzz and be happy, drink a product like ours because you're going to get more than just alcohol, right? In nature, fermentation is a natural science. It's actually a gift that's been given to us as human beings. It's something that back in the day was used to actually create shelf stability and save your vegetables and save your fruits and allow them to last through the winter as, exam as an example, right? In Canada, where I grew up, you can't actually keep your food all year long because in the, in the winter time, you can't grow anything, right? So preserves and pasture, uh, uh, sorry, fermentation and pickling and things like that were used all the time to preserve foods and keep them shelf stable. And if you look at Asian countries as well, some of those countries in Asia, like uh, South Korea, and even in Japan, a high percentage of their diet is actually fermented foods. So these are incredibly good for their gut. They're getting all the probiotics they need to, to continue, you know, boosting their immune system. They've got healthy gut flora, helps with digestion, you know, eliminates bloating and uh, inflammation, all these things that, that we're dealing with, especially the fitness people who are downing protein shakes all day long. You know, they've all got gas, they're bloated, you know, they're not feeling good, but they want to get their protein just to put on mass and be built, right? And there's all these other supplements that you consume that you think are so healthy, but 
Are they viable? Are they living foods? Are they raw? Are they good for your gut? These are all questions people should ask because a lot of times we buy supplements and they're actually not really doing much good for us. So I view these fermented beverages that we make as nothing more than a supplement. They're something that are just supplemental to my day and help my gut to feel good, put a smile on my face. And also there's that action of cracking into a can. And as soon as you hear that, that pop and that hiss of carbonation, it's like a mental ease. It puts you at ease, you know? I, you know, what you were talking about earlier with our, you know, the, the social responsibility around alcohol is, is so interesting to me because I'm Portuguese. I grew up like you just have a glass of wine with dinner and it wasn't so, you know, taboo. I think in the US, like when we put a taboo or restriction on certain things, then people become obsessed with it, right? Like, so when you're a teenager, you can't have alcohol until you're 21. Well, that makes it more appealing and more attractive. And then when they get their hands on it, they just go completely nuts. Not to say that I didn't ever do that as a teenager, but, (laughs) but I, and I think just as a culture, we're so obsessed with extremes, right? It's like, you have to have extreme weight loss, extreme tracking, extreme, you know, like uh, you're going to either be totally wasted or you're not going to have any alcohol at all. And so what you're promoting here and, and what you're saying makes so much sense. It's more about like, you don't have to be so extreme and it doesn't mean if you consume alcohol, it doesn't mean you're healthy or not healthy. And it's it the things like it can all work in tandem and we can exp- you know, express ourselves, use moderation, enjoy things. We don't have to be so restrictive. We're so obsessed with rules in the US. And right. it's like, this is a good food. That's a bad food. This is a good drink. If it has, and what are the rules anyway, right? First, it's like zero sugar. Then it's like, okay, you can have sugar, but don't have process. You know, it's, there's so many rules. Yeah. It's hard for the consumer to keep up with all the guidelines and all the fads and, and info out there. So, Mark, how do you kind of cut through that noise and get in front of the customer? Like, how do you attract your consumer? So we do obviously rely on word of mouth quite often. You know, when you're selling the world's healthiest alcoholic beverages, you are sort of put in this box of things that are not like the other things that people already know. So we're very unique on the shelf. We're something different. We're something new. We actually are relying now on a new message that we're putting out to the world that we've trademarked now for the alcohol category is something we call full spectrum. So in the cannabis industry, you might have seen this before as well. Full spectrum has become this stamp of of natural and, you know, containing all the natural benefits. It's just the healthier way to consume, say, a cannabis product. So in the alcohol realm, we wanted to give that, that sort of education to consumers. So all of our products are stamped as full spectrum. And what that means is it contains the complete outco- range of outcomes from fermentation. So not just alcohol. So there, there's a lot of education that we have to deliver to the consumer to get them to understand just why we're so healthy and you know what do botanical adaptogens do for your body and what are probiotics and how do those help your gut and your immune system? And you know what are the benefits of our products? So education is key. So what we typically do is we lean on our retailers, like say Whole Foods Market, as an example, because they're bringing in consumers that are typically more in the know, but they're more educated. They're also more willing to spend the time and the money on learning more about better products, right? So we we tend to focus on the premium grocers, the premium natural food stores, the premium retailers that really take the time to educate the consumer. And that uh, wholesale or distribution strategy has helped us a lot. Now we're moving more into the direct-to-consumer end of things. So you can buy the product online. And of course, on the websites, we do communicate the benefits of the products and 
how they're put together, how they're made, you know, what are the formulations of the blends that we come up with and how do they provide a good function to the human body? So we try and educate the consumer through those means. But historically in our industry, you would typically do like beer festivals and tastings in the stores and you typically just share the product, right? So we do seed a lot of product out to the market to specific people who are influential, um, people who might be in the fitness industry. We actually took on an investment last year from the founders of FitPlan, which is a popular fitness app. And so that we get to share product into their network and share with their fan base. So it, it brings to us a lot of people who are in the mindset of what we call better for you, or they're in pursuit of better. And that's why I love the fitness industry. Uh, not necessarily even just the people who are the trainers or the educators, but the people that follow them and watch them, because these are the people that aspire to be better. They're in that pursuit of better. And that's where we kind of live. We want to talk to you if you're someone that says, yeah, I want to lose a little bit of weight. Or yeah, I want to have that glow back in my skin. Or yeah, I just want to feel good every day. You know, I, I want to perform better. I want to be a better parent. I want to be more uh, of a high performance athlete. Or if I want to just have greater output, output with my work, I want to do better at my job. You know, so everyone wants to do better in a lot of ways. And when they look at alcoholic beverages, they typically think that abstinence is the way to get there, right? Just cut it completely. If I just don't drink at all, I'll probably be better off. That's what they're thinking. But the reality is, is the one big killer we have to deal with in our society, and it's difficult to say this right now in the midst of a pandemic, of course, but the biggest problem we have is stress, right? So for a lot of people, just to crack into a can of something and have an adult beverage, it's so beneficial because it kills all the stress, right? Even if it's just for 30 minutes or an hour, it's an opportunity for you to crack a bottle of wine, pour a glass, and sit back and put your feet up and just enjoy a glass of rosé, right? I mean... How many times do you do that in your week just to take the edge off, right? So why not have something that you can take the edge off with, but also feeds your body with all sorts of good things. So, you know, when you initially ask, how do we get the word out there? I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a constant endeavor. Right. And that's the, the puzzle of marketing, right? Yeah. I've worked with fitness brands where they've literally communicated to their team members like that they were not allowed to post anything on social media with any alcoholic beverages at all, right. even if it was just like a glass of wine, like on the table with them. So there is kind of this taboo, but uh, yeah, I think that there is a lot of opportunity and I'm curious to hear Mark, like your experience working in the fitness industry for nearly a decade, what were some of your observations with the things that are really right about the fitness industry and some of the things that are really wrong? Yeah. Well, there's a lot to be said on that, but you know, I, I worked on the commercial side. So I was supplying gyms with equipment. I was building facilities. I was interacting with a lot of trainers and the, the, the people that service that trade more so than say the consumers directly although I did have a component of my equipment company where I sold directly to people for purchase for home gyms and things like that. So I did have a lot of interaction with people who were asking me questions of how do I get there? How do I get down the path? How do I lose the weight? How do I feel better? And what I found most often, not even just from the consumer, but even from the trainers themselves and the educators themselves was, you know, they, they kind of had the information that they needed, but they just didn't know how to take the next step and actually do better for themselves. You know, I think it's pretty easy to find the information and know what's good for your body and know how to live your life better, but actually executing and putting that into action is the tough part. So it needs to be fun. It needs to be something that people enjoy, right? And I think that's why you saw things like Zumba back in the day did so well, you know, because it was fun. People liked doing it, right? 
and you know p90x you know that did really well because it was at home and i could do it in the comfort of my own home but it was really intense and really you know active and, and really had an impact on me so people got into it so it has to be something that works it has to be something that's meaningful to people and it has to be something that's fun that keeps them coming back so you know, it's similar to what we do with our beverages. We definitely want this to be the healthiest alcoholic beverage on the market, but it still needs to be fun. You know, it can't just be kale in a can, right? So it, it's got to be something that people enjoy and want to come back to. And I think with fitness, you know, I look at my own wife and, you know, I love her to death and all I want for her is to be healthier and feel good and, and be the best that she's ever been, right? That would be fantastic for me as her best friend and as her husband is to see the best version of her, right? but it's up to her to get there. I can't do it for her, right? So I try my best to be a good influence and give information, but for myself personally, I've been into fitness since I was 14. You know, it's not a problem for me to show up that day and get to the gym or go for my run. You know, I enjoy it. It's something that I actually, I feel worse off, much worse off if I don't get out there and get my running or get to the gym, you know, it really impacts me. So a lot of this stuff is habitual, it's a lifestyle. It's something that you have to embrace as just how you live your life. There's no diet or fad or temporary workout regime that can get you there. Amen. <laughs> I love it. I could completely relate to all of that. And I think when you, you know, when you're talking about the worlds of health and fitness, again, I just think that we put so many rules on ourselves and we take away all the fun and you think you have to be so serious and track every step and track your sleep and track your macros. And it puts so much pressure on people that it takes the fun out of it. You know, I started my fitness career working at the Crunch corporate office and that brand was built on making fitness fun. They didn't go after people looking to get shredded. They had drag queens teaching classes and they kind of took out the shame of if you're not ripped, you might not be here, you know, instead of being exclusive, they were inclusive. And I think yeah. that's what really made that brand take off, you know, making Big it time. fun. And when you talk about brands like Zumba, or, you know, some other brands out there that people, you know, fitness snobs might kind of like roll their eyes at, that's what people need, they need to have fun, they need to relieve that stress, like, especially now more than ever. So but, you know, you're so right, I, I need to stop you for one sec, because you said something really uh, impactful. And I think that people understand easily is that the terminology of exclusive and inclusive, right. And I think what people need to understand is when you're looking at a holistic lifestyle, and you're looking to feel better, and you're looking to be healthier and fitter, as they say, you need to look at things as they are. And if you look at your exercise regime as something inclusive, it's about getting in your workout. Oh, I got to get my workout in, right? It's like, you're trying to get it in. It's inclusive. You're trying to incorporate it into your life because you know it's good for you, right? But then they look at their diet and all they think about is exclusive. It's cut this, cut that, don't eat this, don't eat that, right? People need to understand that they need to take the same inclusive mindset to their diet. So it's including the good things. It's getting all the things that your body needs and giving to the body. Even my own wife will say to me, I can't eat carbs right now. I'm off carbs. I'm like, well, how are you going to think? How's your brain going to function, right? Your, your muscles need carbs. You need energy, right? But choose better foods. Choose healthy foods that give to your body and you will feel better. But make sure that you go then out and burn the carbs, burn the calories, get after it, get out there and get active every day, right? So it has to be comprehensive. People need to really understand that when it just right when it feels like it's over your head or if it's too much to understand then you know you're finally paying attention so pay attention further right it is a lifelong journey 
It is a lot of information. You will build a virtual library in your own mind, the ways in which you can feel better and do better for yourself, but you can't give up and stop learning because it takes that time. It takes that learning. Oh yeah. And the process never ends. I mean, I'm always looking to optimize, always looking to try new things and get better. I mean, what worked for me that, you know, really like a charm when I was 25 is not working the yeah. same at 41, <laughs> you know, things aren't moving in the right direction here. So we no. got to, we got to adapt and pivot, right? We have to try different things. And I think that as we become more educated and as we get to know ourselves better, we know what works for us and what doesn't work for us, right? That whole, like yeah. the, all the crazy rules and the restriction for me, it's like, it makes me rebel. It's a no-go. <laughs> I got to yeah, have a balance. You're right, though, when you talk, a lot of people talk about when I was 25, and oh, now I'm 41, things have changed. Like, there's a lot of that sort of reference back to a previous time when I was fitter, when I could burn fat quickly, when I uh, hangover didn't bother me, I could just bounce back in there, you know, and we talk about these instances in our life that are still in recent memory, where we can remember what it feels like to be 25. We know what that was like, right? It's not too far back. But at 41, things hurt a little bit more and that pain lingers a bit longer right? And we have a little less energy. But a lot of times we attribute that to, wow, you know, the body just changes once you get over 40, you know, the metabolism really changes. I'm like, come on, I call BS on that. Now I have two kids to take care of that keep me up all night, right? If I had two kids that kept me up all night when I was 25, I wouldn't have bounced back the way that I did when I was 25. I didn't have two kids, right? So lifestyle changes, your responsibilities change, your day-to-day -day changes. There's different stresses with work and relationships. I mean, just my wife not feeling good and being upset with me about something and going to bed like that makes me not sleep all night, right? If she was just my girlfriend, I was 25, I'd hang up the phone and go home and sleep. You know what I mean? With all due respect. But like, you know, we have a different mindset at 25 than we do at 41. And thank God for that, because we're so much better as people, probably most for the most part at 41 than we were at 25, right? And we learn a lot. And hopefully we learn and learn and learn till the end of our days. But you know, I find it very interesting when people are looking for the, the next thing that's going to give them the extra edge. You know, they're taking, say, super mushrooms so because they're nootropic and they make them think better and enhance cognitive ability. And, you know, they're looking for something like that to give them an edge. So they're throwing super mushrooms in their protein shake, hoping that that's going to correct all the other crap they put in their body through the day. Right. I'm like, well, if you can't figure out how to eat right, just as a, as a, at a base level and put good things in your body, then don't waste your money on super mushrooms. Right. But people need to learn how to do what's good for their body and then start to incorporate the things that are even more hyper-functional that might amplify things even more, right? Then it's good, you know? And I, I think for me, with our beverages, same thing. Don't go from drinking Angry Orchard, you know, sugary, crappy cider, that's apple soda with alcohol, and then jump into our beverages and think you're gonna make this complete flip overnight. You need to gradually work through eating better, drinking better, incorporating a healthy lifestyle, getting to the gym. It's a, a very comprehensive approach to your life. And we are there for that. And we complement that. We can't just give you a six pack and a can. <laughs> no, it, I, that's definitely not possible. There's no, I, I think in the US, we're always looking for those quick fixes, but it, you're right. It's about just making better choices. Like you're right. still going to have alcohol. You're still going to eat food. Just make the best choice for yourself. So Mark, what have been your biggest hurdles with, you know, building, creating, and, and now developing pulp culture and 101 Cider House? The biggest hurdle for sure, without question, is ignorance. 
And, and that's just people thinking that all alcoholic beverages are the same. You know, alcohol is alcohol, right? Everyone knows that. Everyone feels the same way. We all know what alcohol is, and that's what it is. Until it's not. Until I re-educate the market and show them that, actually, no, that's not how it is. You know, fermentation is this. Alcohol comes from that, but it's one of the many things that come from fermentation. So what I prefer to focus on is fermentation as a science. And the beverages that we make are fermented beverages that just happen to contain alcohol, right? They're not alcoholic beverages in the traditional sense, right? When you go to your local BevMo or Whole Foods or any store you buy alcohol at, you walk in with the intention of buying alcohol. That's your goal. And when you go in there, you're going to be met with a bunch of products on the shelf that were only made to be alcoholic. That's it. So we're something different. We're, we're kind of throwing it back to the beginning. This is how the world would have met an alcoholic beverage for the first time. Because if you take an apple off a tree and press it into apple juice, those are both healthy things, right? If it ferments on its own in nature, it becomes what we make. So how could that be a bad thing? We don't process it. We don't add anything to it. There's no chemicals being used. There's no artificial flavorings. There's no sweeteners. We're not adding any probiotics to it. This is all the natural outcome of fermentation. And I think that what is old has to become new again in most industries. And it's so awesome that we could find the world's healthiest alcoholic beverage in this way. It actually came from Northern Spain. That's where my inspiration came from. I traveled there and learned that during siesta from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. every day there, everyone drinks and hangs out and has the best time of their life. And then they go back at 3 p.m. to work and work till 8 p.m. at night. And during the day, they all drink. But the one thing they drink is natural cider. It's just apple juice that's been fermented raw. So it's probiotic and alcoholic. It makes them feel great. And they're never drunk. They're never fighting in the streets. They're never having a, emotional outpourings at the bar. You know, like they're just enjoying their life. So I really wanted to, to create a culture shift. I wanted to bring that back here to North America and put a, a bit of a California spin on it and use some different fruits and botanical adaptogens and some funky superfoods and herbs and things like that that I knew would excite the consumer. Because of course, like you said, everyone's trying to get that edge. You know, they always want to get that step ahead. So I thought, hey, I'll feed into that. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're just trying to show people that drinking is not what they thought it was. You make so many good points there. I honestly, I mean, it's educating the consumer. The consumers, I think, impression is perception people see and add and they think like oh okay like that's the best choice for me because i saw it on tv or i saw it in a digital ad you know and that's not necessarily the case they have to dive a little bit deeper and i think that people need to be their own advocate in in health and wellness and and the pursuit of optimizing their their own selves because you can't just see an ad and take that for face value just because it says it's natural flavors. That really means nothing. That right. doesn't mean it's natural. Don't take that. You know, I'm seeing that as, you know, my teenage sons read labels and I'm teaching them to read labels. They're like, oh, this has no sugar in it. I'm like, well, but it tastes sweet, right? So what do you think makes right. it taste sweet? It's a bunch of chemicals. So people really need to educate themselves. And I think that, you know, I can see how you really need to educate consumers so they understand the benefits of, of the fermentation process and how you don't have to be so restrictive. You can enjoy a little bit of alcohol, not to such extremes that you're getting wasted and not in the traditional like frat boy way, but enjoy yourself. And, and stress, like you said, is the number one killer. So Mark, if somebody wants to connect with you, they want to find out more about pulp culture, or they want to buy 101 cider. How do they do that? Online is the easiest way. We ship to over 40 states across the US. So almost every state. 
And you can find us on the websites at 101cider.com or pulpculture.la, because of course we're here in Los Angeles. So if you want to find us there on the website or social media at 101cider at pulpculturejuice, that's the easiest way to find us digitally. If you find us out there in the market, we live on the shelves at Whole Foods and Total Wine and BevMo and premium grocery stores. Uh, we're in California, Arizona, and Texas right now. Also in New Jersey, coming to New York and also the Southeast with Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, and North Carolina coming up as we kick off 2021. So we are branching out and growing across the country, but online is probably the easiest way right now. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Vanessa Severiano. I have a huge favor to ask of you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love it if you would please subscribe, review, and share this episode. It would really mean so much to me. I truly love connecting with fitness and wellness experts. So if you'd like to be on the show or are looking for help in your business, definitely drop me a line and connect with me. You can find me at hello at vanessaseveriano.com or my social media handles. Since my last name is not the easiest to spell, I'm going to go ahead and make it really easy for you and link my contact details in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Catch you on the next episode.